Hey everybody and welcome to another episode of The Roost Podcast. As always, I am Vernon Spires, here with my co-host Matthew Bartlett, the founder and managing editor of The Roost, your premier source for rice sports news and analysis. All right, we are back with one last uh, addendum to the 2021 season, and it's our, um, you know, this is technically the early signing period, but functionally for just about everybody, it's uh, National Signing Day now. Uh, Rice has signed, uh, like a lot of schools in sort of similar positions, a rather small class today uh, as of recording on Wednesday the 15th. Uh, total of what? Eight high school players, uh, two transfers, and one Juco guy. So uh, small, but uh, given all that, they are still, what, fifth in CUSA right now and uh, a top 100 class in the country. So uh, quality over quantity here. That's pretty darn good. You'll take it, right? Yeah. And this, no, is, and this is interesting because it's interesting with the – there's almost – two different kinds of classes in college football right now. There are the classes like, so Marshall has 26 commits. They're number one in, in CUSA. Southern Miss has 17. But after that, if you go down to right now at time of recording, third, fourth, fifth is UTSA, Charlotte, and Rice. You have 10, 12, and nine. Oh, they have this broken down by high school and not high school. So those are all high school kids. But even if you look at portal kids, all everybody together, UTSA has 14, Rice has 11, and Charlotte has 12. So there's there's almost two waves of classes. There's the let's bring in everybody. And and this is interesting. I guess this is a kind of a kind of an explanation of why first we kind of kind of get into it. So when when the NCAA opened the extra scholarship year last year for everybody. They effectively kind of kicked the can down the road a year because now those guys are here for one more semester, but you have 25 more players you can bring in. And the way the scholarship math kind of shakes up is essentially programs are going to have to say goodbye to some people on their current roster <laughs> over the next year or two, or they're going to have to take less high school kids. That's kind of how the math works out. Yeah, the recruiting landscape is honestly just insane right now because we are still in sort of the, you know, you now have the immediate year of eligibility and um, the transfer portal to go along with that, um, which is we still haven't yet hit the point of like, like stable equilibrium with the transfer portal where like it uh, a like sensible number of kids are entering it because uh, right now you still, you know, it's exploding and people are taking advantage of it and uh, you end up with more guys going into the portal than there are FBS scholarship spots available for them. Uh, and when you combine on top of that, the COVID year, but I just, I hate the way they did this where they let everybody just exceed the limit with, you know, however many super seniors they wanted in 2021. And then it's like, okay, now you're back to 85 in 2022. So it's like, but that extra year doesn't end. Like, everyone who was on an FBS roster in 2020 gets an extra year. So you could still potentially have people taking advantage of a potential, you know, fifth or sixth year they wouldn't otherwise have four to five years from now. Yeah, and I was like talking most to, of to that Bradley Rosner a couple, yeah. two weeks, two, three weeks ago. 
And I was like, so so you had a redshirt year at JUCO, you had the COVID year, and uh, I mean, there's there's always a possibility that he played what like six snaps this season. Yeah, uh, there's always a possibility that he gets an FBS redshirt year <laughs> from this point oh, yeah, too. Yeah, like he would definitely qualify for a medical redshirt this year, probably if they yeah. want. If, like, it, it, yeah, yeah. If they, if they're able to go that route. So, yeah, I, I was talking to Rosner. So I'm like, are you going for the Javon Wolford plan here? Like, how many degrees do you think you could get by the time you're done with college football? <laughs> I mean, you're a rice man. Like, get a, like, get a PhD. Like, go for it. Like, like Why you not? know, <laughs> come out of there. You know, you can be like a seventh round draft pick. And, you know, you've, um, you know, if you really crank it out, uh, I think chemistry PhDs often uh, they are done in about four years because you got to crank out and publish before someone else beats you to it. So, you know, if Brad's got any interest in chemistry, uh, just you know, uh, I'm sure he can get in. It'll be fine. So just uh, <laughs> you know, go for that go for that PhD, and you know, you can be Doctor Football in the NFL. Yeah, we, we joke, but that's it's 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 made such an interesting dynamic with the recruiting landscape, and we kind of have to start there as we kind of go into this class, just to kind of like level set of where we are. So, so there's that piece. And then the other piece that I think is notable to talk about as far as Rice is concerned is just kind of a way that they kind of attack this class. Bloomgren said in his media availability today that he met with Alex Brown before the season, kind of knowing their roster limitations and how things were going to go. And they treated this class as NFL draft picks rather than, you know, counters of 25 possible scholarships you could hand out being in the NFL draft mindset. You know, you got your five, six, seven shots and then you're done. So they kind of prioritized and tiered out their list of let's just try and get, you know, let's make sure we get our our number one overall first round pick, uh, go to two and, and so so and so forth and try and, you know, we'll be OK going small. And leaving some rune on the back end, which is a, a just an interesting note. Davian Carter, defensive lineman, first uh, defensive player that they offered number one on their board. And they got him. And they, the same as DJ Arkansas, who was the first offer and the first uh, guy on their board last year on defense. So back to back years where they landed their number one guy on their board on defense, which is pretty good. So we, we can get into some of the guys there. But that one piece. And then I wanted to continue with one snippet. Luke McCaffrey joined this team in what was it mid June, late June last year mm -hmm. at some point. So that I believe Rice has been cognizant. Well, I don't believe I know for a fact Rice has been cognizant that that's something that is going to be out there with how the portal is developing. So they went and got a couple guys from the portal uh, during the early signing period, which is is kind of a misnomer for portal guys because high schoolers have the a signing period. If you're in the transfer portal, you can kind of almost come and go as you please. Mm. Well, you come as you please go if somebody wants you. But at that point. So, yeah. I so mean, that's right. No, it's 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 go as you please. And uh, hopefully somebody wants you. But right. Yeah. So we'll see. Uh, Rice has has the, the class that they get. We'll run through them. And then there is still room. And we'll kind of how we're going to break this out, We'll kind of go through the class, kind of analyze how they fit in with the Rice roster and kind of make our wish list for what's left. Because I do believe Rice will have a couple spots left that if a Luke, a Luke McCaffrey or someone of that caliber fits at the end, they'll be able to have some flexibility to go out and get them. So they're not done yet. They are uh, finished ish 
content with where they're at. Uh, we might see another two, one or two soon. It might take a little bit, but this is kind of where they're at right now. So do we want to kind of run through our guys? Yeah, let's, let's start do it. With, uh, I, I like, I, and we, we were kind of talking offline last year when we kind of broke this apart, we did position by position. If you want a detailed nitty gritty of each kid, where they fit on the football field, kind of their skill set, we're going to have that up on the site uh, probably at time of recording tomorrow, maybe Thursday, Friday, Saturday, sometime. We'll have those up. So we'll have the kind of nitty gritty there. We're going to kind of talk big picture with how they fit with the current roster going forward because I think that's interesting because there are going to be some kids here that we're going to be like, we don't have anybody. You need to play tomorrow. And there's some guys that we might not see for two years, and that's okay. So we'll start on offense, and we'll start with quarterback because that's where you have to start all football conversations at Rice, for better <laughs> or worse. And this is a first. For the first time under Mike Bloomgren in a signing class, Rice has signed one, uno, one quarterback, A.J. Paget from Frisco. <laughs> and that's my first comment. There's just one. Finally. Yeah. Well, as and as of right now, yeah. So no, um, they've pretty much gotten um, like one high school quarterback in every class, pretty much. Um, fingers crossed there is no need for a grad transfer this year. I mean, I guess if somebody, you know, somebody pops into the portal and you can't say no, then you take them just because. Um, but yeah. Which kind of happened with McCaffrey. Right. And there are, I mean, everyone, everyone and their mother that plays quarterback is in the transfer portal right now. Right. I, yeah, like, you know, there's going to be a string of them going in after spring practice once guys realize that they're kind of out of, out of the running for different jobs. And, you know, if if that portal whirls around and somebody's left high and dry and. I wouldn't say no, but yeah, but, yeah. I, I, I think the, the depth chart is in a pretty good position. Um you do lose Jake Constantine, but um, by all accounts, I don't think, you know, obviously things can change, but I don't think Rice is set to lose any more quarterbacks, right? Yeah, so at this point, in, in, in Wiley Green is kind of the the relatively unknown. He's definitely welcome back, and I don't think there's any plans for him to go elsewhere. But, I mean, he's the kind of guy that you could see if he doesn't, if he ends up third or or fourth on the depth chart coming out of spring practices, which could totally happen. That's the kind of guy that you might yeah. see say, Hey, you know, well, and he's got to be on track to graduate by now. Right. He's probably got a PhD at this point. I feel <laughs> like he's been around for forever. This, I mean, yeah, this is, this is like his fourth year on campus. So like class wise, uh, academic wise, he's yeah. a senior. So I would imagine he's about to graduate in May and, even though that doesn't mean the same thing in terms of immediate eligibility that it used to, um, you know, if a guy's got his degree and and isn't in line to be the starter, like you totally like, you know, yeah. he wants to go somewhere else. You know, you'd say thanks for all the leadership. Thanks for that big win over UAB. And uh, best of luck. I will. I, I would very much be happy yeah. for Wiley if that is the decision he makes. But if he Absolutely. wants to stay around and. Um, you know, and try and win out the job again, which he's done yeah. twice now from going down to fourth string. Yeah, so, you know, no, definitely wouldn't say. We'll see. Yeah, I, I, we don't have to speculate, I guess, too much further yeah. on that. But yeah, right now, Wiley's in the boat. Uh, I will say, I don't think I've reported this anywhere, but I've had conversations with some folks on the staff and they were 
they were really impressed with what they saw out of TJ McMahon. So I don't think this is a situation where TJ is going to go get buried down to the bottom of the depth chart again. I think he's going to get a shot. So you could very well, very real possible reality where it's Wiley, TJ and McCaffrey kind of battling it out in the spring to see how things shake out. But, you know, regardless of how that competition, you know, shakes out, I know they were, they really liked what they got from Shoki Etrius, who was the the high school signee last year. And AJ Paget is another guy they brought in this year. They really like. So I think if you told them, Hey, you get to keep two of those three guys and you have your, I guess your redshirt freshman and two freshmen coming in. I think Rice would feel pretty good at the quarterback position, especially because, uh, you know, McMahon and McCaffrey would both have what two to three years of eligibility left with all. I, th- I think McCaffrey technically has four left, doesn't he? No, he played in more than four games this year. I think he played in six or seven. Oh, that, okay, yeah. No, he had four left starting right. this year. Okay, so yeah, he has three years of eligibility left, which is still ridiculous. But Yeah, so A.J. Padgett in, that's quarterback. I don't think we probably see him next year at, at all. Let's not hope not. A reason. We've kind of, we've seen the Wiley Green learning as a freshman experience. We've seen the Luke McCaffrey learning as a not freshman, but brand new to this scheme experience so yeah i of all the guys that i think have a chance to see the field in 2022 i think aj Padgett is probably at the bottom of the list and that's not because he's not talented it's because they have other guys and as we've seen so far rice playing quarterback in this offense can be tricky so that's quarterback uh wide receiver next yeah let's go for it uh so you've got what Three in this class out of uh, a fairly small group that's including the transfers. Obviously, uh, Sam Crawford, the transfer from Tulsa, is the big story here. He is. So I want to highlight this. Like, uh, I believe you had in your report about him that if you look at his high school ranking, that puts him at um, the second highest rated player out of high school that Rice has ever signed, obviously out of uh, uh, after Luke McCaffrey. But. 247 now gives star rankings for transfers as well and that are adjusted from their high school rankings. And the rank those rankings are usually a little bit lower um, for understandable reasons. But Crawford is still listed as a transfer at a ranking uh, three star and a ranking of 0.86 is, a, is his composite ranking. That would put him as the second highest rated high school player after uh, Gabe Taylor. So... Even on the, if you're not trying to get too creative with the using the high school ranking there, this is still a player that in terms of uh, talent as he is considered right now is going to be immediately one of the most talented players on Rice's roster. Yeah, and I think the big thing with him is we kind of saw this in, in, you know, in the quarterback churn that Rice has gone through. You had... Sean Stankavich come in in Bloomgren's first year, and I think he had played like, what, four snaps at Vanderbilt? It was literally like a number you could count on your hand. Mm-hmm. Hadn't really played. And then you go to Tom Stewart, who played some FCS football. You had Mike Collins, who had a couple FBS starts at TCU. And then you move on to Luke McCaffrey, who started, uh, what, probably eight to ten games or some, something like that at Nebraska. So you've seen a progression where – as Rice's recruiting profile has gone up, you've been able to get guys who had more and more proven experience. And that was at the quarterback position. You kind of seen the same thing with Crawford. And the biggest difference 
that I've, we have from him is that he's done it and, and produced, I think, 400-yard games at the FBS le- level, had 100 yards against Houston last year. Uh, uh, an opponent that Rice would love to have a receiver who could go over 100 yards against because <laughs> they will see the Cougars a couple times. Well, I guess once when he's here, but as a, a graduate transfer. But yeah, so that's the big thing for him is that he's done it at, at, at a, you know, a big boy college football level. There's that. And then he's 6'1", 208, and he can fly. And so you have, he's a, a bit of a, a stronger, bigger, faster, uh, said Patterson is kind of who I talk yeah, to. Like that, that's, that's a, that's a, like Rice has obviously had Brad Rosner, uh, when he's been available. So not really since the 2019 season, who is six, five, but also pretty lanky. Um, but other than that, I mean, and, August Pete, who I guess is six two ish, but also very much on the senior side. But like that, you know, six one and over two hundred pounds. That is a build of like strong, solid receiver that Rice really has not had. They've they've tended to rely on taller, lankier guys or kind of shorter, speedier guys, um, which makes sense because usually if you're six one two oh eight and a really great receiver, you are playing in a program that is you know a slightly higher recruiting profile than Rice. But um, yeah, that's a big get. And, and just like to compare him to, you know, obviously Patterson had a really great impact at Rice this year and came in with some experience at the FBS level. But in his career at New Mexico, he had 16 receptions for 301 yards. And Crawford yeah, he basically had, had like two long, like 60-yard touchdown catches, and that was it. Which is good, but... Yeah. Not much on-field experience. Whereas Crawford had it has in his career 1,600 yards and 10 touchdowns. So, uh, yeah, that's a big uh, that's a big bump. Yeah, of the of anyone in this class, the guys that you just said it and forget it, plug and play. Uh, this is going to be the guy. He, he's going to be on the field a lot. I think it's interesting because we saw. I don't know what they're going to do. We saw Sed Patterson kind of take over the X role in the offense, kind of taking over from August Pete Patterson ended up kind of being a better fit there. That's traditionally been where Brad Rosner pays. And so you're going to have a, 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 not a problem, a good problem, I guess, next year where you're going to have to figure out who plays X. Is it said Patterson? Uh, is it Crawford? Is it Rosner? And then you have Jake Bailey running around the slot. So we saw a lot of five wide sets from rice this year where there were actually only three wide receivers on the field. It was usually a tight end or running back as well. Uh, we might see some five wide sets next year where there's four receivers on the field or or possibly four plus a Cam Montgomery uh, all positions player. <laughs> it might be interesting. The, the, the receiving depth, you know, is as good as it has been at Rice in a very long time. And that yeah. was probably true before Crawford got here. Um, yeah, so, uh, obviously he's the big get there. Uh, you do want to throw out also the highest rated, uh, high school player in this class is Rawson McNeil from Marietta, Georgia, who is, uh, 6'5", So basically Rosner 2.0. Yeah, pretty much. And it's interesting because, so if you follow any other school that has, uh, you know, <laughs> along the power five, at least, 
uh, from their recruiting rankings. Those guys, their rankings get kind of gone over with a fine tooth comb and they're adjusting, you know, weekly, daily at some points down the stretch. I, I went and checked the 247 rankings for Rice's recruits on Monday night. <laughs> so that was like uh, all of like, what, 36 hours from signing day, early yeah. signing period opening. And they had four Rice players that had rankings at all. And uh, hmm. Davian Carter at that point was the, the highest rated signee and Rice's class defensive line. So McNeil, they, <laughs> Rice has a tendency of there are programs that will go, you know, look at the rankings list and make that their recruiting board. And Rice very much so says, here are our guys. We don't care. It, like some of these guys don't didn't even have two, four, seven profiles when Rice went and offered them and got them to commit. And 247 has to go create him. So McNeil, uh, he kind of guy that got the late rating. But yeah, he's he's Rosner 2.0 and he can run. The, the, my favorite kind of tidbit that I got on him that, that Bloomgren kind of mentioned was he's the kind of guy that makes 50-50 balls, 90-10 balls. And, <laughs> and I like that. And his ability to not only go up and get him, but also get a little separation on there is exciting. So, yeah, he's kind of you put in that pipeline because really you don't really have anybody. I think you'd have to go to Peyton Stevenson, who they signed last year, is kind of one of your your bigger guys. But beyond that, a lot of the depth that Rice has at, at wide receiver skews a lot closer to the 5'11", 180, 160, 6'1", 170, that kind of thing. You don't really have many 6'5", 6'6", guys. So Ross and McNeil. Uh, great fit there. It kind of gives you some versatility. And then on the other side, you get to Braylon Walker. I thought this was a funny anecdote that I thought would share. Braylon Walker, him and his dad, when they went to, there's this major recruiting circuits for high school kids where they'll go and camp at all these, all these colleges and all these uh, coaches will be there and just basically try and get seen. Uh, that was the, how they used to do it before like Huddle existed and it was internet recruiting. Yeah. Um, but Braylon Walker wore a highlighter yellow shirt and purple shorts to all of his camps. <laughs> so trying, you, to, trying to get literally noticed. Literally noticed. So you literally, he would make a play at camp and you're like, oh, it's the kid in the highlighter yellow shirt. And that just kind of sticks with you. So that's how Rice kind of found him <laughs> and then brought him brought him to their camp and was like, holy moly, this dude is is freaky fast. And so they brought him in. So he's on the other, other sky. I, I feel like we found... Uh, if the, the, the Zane Knipe theorem that you need as many as many guys who can run freaky fast as you can, just in case they get hurt, um, that's kind of <laughs> you just keep stocking that pantry with another guy. So he is is very fast and that kind of fits that mold. And we've kind of seen Rice kind of knows what they want at the wide receiver position. It's been keeping them healthy. So uh, yeah. kind of checked all the boxes on this front. Yeah, uh, so I guess you move on from there to running back. Uh, just one signee here. Uh, it's yeah. Dean Connors from Riverside City College. Uh, this is our uh, JUCO signee. Um, I must admit, I have not really looked into him at all. But uh... well, I have. I have a, a couple things to share on him. So first off, any time that you get compared by Bloomgren and the staff to Jordan Myers, I would say that's a good thing, right? That'll like, do it. Among, I think him and Austin Trammell are going to kind of go down in the Bloomgren era as the uh, the the gold standard for what they want a football player to be. 
Yeah. You know, I don't think either of those guys are probably going to top out on the highest end of the talent scale. But man, the the leadership and effort that they kind of displayed and the do it all kind of mentality, that's right where they're at. So uh, on on that front, Dean Connors was uh, was described as Jordan Myers esque by Mike Bloomberg. And, and, and kind of what what he meant by that is his ability to do a lot out of the backfield. He's a guy that they feel comfortable putting in space, uh, throwing the ball out of the backfield and doing a couple different things. Kind of a guy that you could see being really kind of a true bell cow for, for Rice, which is something that, you know, it's hard to look too closely into what happened at Stanford with Bloomgren because, uh, at least on the running back front, because they had this guy named Christian McCaffrey, who yeah, made it really easy. And uh, and then they had, oh man, he ended up at the Washington football team and he got hurt. Oh, um, uh, uh, love. Um, yeah, Bryce, Bryce Love. Bryce Love? Yes, Bryce Love, who was, I, I think he finished second in the Heisman, right? Yeah. So, yeah, Super those guys fast. got 80% of the work because they were legitimately NFL caliber players. So I'm not, I'm not going to say that Bryce is all of a sudden going to go to one guy, but I think they would prefer to be closer to one guy than they were this year, which was kind of a different guy every week. So they like him there. And the other guy I want to throw out as kind of a, I mentioned like kind of like the Cam Montgomery mold uh, is Quentin Jackson. He is 5'9", 175. So, uh, you know, on the smaller side, uh, maybe a Cam Montgomery uh, is a, is a pretty good comp, but he was one of those guys in, in high school football at some levels, there is a, this is the best player on our team. He's playing quarterback, not because oh, yeah. he throws the ball really good, a lot or, of high or even if we know he can throw the ball, it's because he is the best athlete on the team. And and he could actually throw the ball pretty good, played a little bit of uh, like he can return. Uh, you could probably stick him at corner if you wanted to. I don't I don't know if that's the plan. Jake Bailey originally was recruited as a corner. Fun fact. So but obviously turned into a pretty good darn wide receiver. So that's fine. But yeah, Quentin Jackson kind of fits that more versatile mold. So I don't know where he ends up. I, I think, and this is kind of a, maybe we'll get to for later. I think the running back depth chart right now is pretty thin. Even with yeah. Dean Connors coming in, you got Ari Broussard, but you, you got need some bodies there and you need a, you need a Cam Montgomery. If that's how, you know, Rice got good production out of that. Kind of like scat back. A guy who can who can move out, you know. We mentioned that running back who can who can split out wide, that kind of thing. So Quentin Jackson could be that guy. So I shot in the dark. I'm going to say he starts at running back. He's listed as an athlete, but uh, not 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 a quarterback at the next level. Maybe a wide receiver, and I, I think they're probably set at corner. Knock on wood right now. So that's probably that. But that's kind of the running back uh, landscape as far as this class. And then I I thought this was interesting as kind of I was putting it together. I had to do do a, a double check because if we're going down the list of, of offensive signees, uh, Rice signed one offensive lineman. Which, yeah. granted, small class, but I think they'd signed three last year, five the year before. The year before that was the year they brought in three grad transfer O-linemen that all started. So... <laughs> Yeah, I'm trying. I'm trying to look at the depth chart here. They've um, who all ended up in the portal portal from the offensive line? It was Ferraro, right? And Ferraro and Cole Garcia. That's right. Um, and then 
I believe Connor Hughes is leaving the team. Shout out to Connor. Um, and it's his finally Javon Wolford's last year. Allegedly. Uh, on that 10-year plan. But I think the depth chart still is pretty pretty full at offensive line. And, and I know they have several young guys in Ethan. Um, apologies to Ethan. You went to my wife's high school. <laughs> Onianwa. 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 Yeah. Onianwa. Yeah. And that's and, part of it. And we haven't seen. So that if you are not a in the trenches offensive line guru, uh, you probably are not too too familiar with the guys who uh, are on the back back end of the offensive line uh, depth chart. But they brought in a lot of the guys they got in the last year is and I think we talked about during this the, the last uh, national signing day. Uh, Rice, when Bloomgren was hired, I think had one or two guys at over 300 pounds on the roster. And they've brought in, I think, with this class, probably close to 13, I yeah, think, they, if that's right. I think the stat we had last year was that they signed as many guys that were 300 pounds or over. Yeah, they signed five class. last year, and they had five in the on the program already. Right, yeah, they had as many in the signing class as they had on the roster. So they've definitely uh, like gotten some real size uh, in the trenches that they didn't have before. Um yeah, so the other you name mentioned... I was going to throw out there was, was Pepe, of course. Um, but uh, yeah, the one signing in this class is Miguel. Uh, I don't know if it's Sedano or Sedano. Um, yeah, Sedano. Hard, hard to tell if there's uh, when stuff's printed, whether there's a, um, <laughs> the, a tilde on the end. I apologize. Oh, I, I, I don't know the actual Spanish name for it, but <laughs> Sedano. Um, who won six seven two ninety five is how he's listed. So uh, that's real, like you know, add another good 20, 20, you know, fifteen to twenty pounds on there, and that's NFL tackle size, first of all. And also, uh, American Heritage High School in Florida, which um, you know we've made the comparison before with say DeBraylen Carroll and the kind of guys he played with on that defense at Duncanville. Um, American Heritage is a serious program. Uh, they, I believe, their head coach is still Patrick Sertan Sr. Um, Patrick Sertan Jr., late of Alabama now, the Denver Broncos for a first-round pick, uh, played there. Tons and tons of top-tier FBS players have come out of American Heritage lately. So that's, uh, yeah. that's, that's a name that immediately, you know, when I saw that high school name on there, I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah, he's good. And and you mentioned 6'7", 295. You know, I think this kind of comes with where Rice has been able to get on the recruiting, you know, profile because in in past years, and you bring up DeBraylen Carroll, I think that's a good kind of, you know, picture of, of, how, of where they've come because even two years ago, Rice's best chance to get potential difference makers was to find the DeBraylen Carrolls to find the undersized guys who don't fit the, the prototypical mold that if you were drawing up a defensive lineman or an offensive lineman or a wide receiver or quarterback, what have you, they don't kind of fit that. And so that's kind of why they get overlooked, but they're just actually good at football. And I think Cedeno is kind of a, a very clear step at how they've come in recruiting, because if you were to draw up an offensive lineman, you might draw up Miguel Cedeno. He's 6'7", 295, and he is a high school senior. Like that's, yeah. that's, that's exactly what you want. 
And he turned down Power Five offers. Uh, I think Utah was probably the most prominent one to to come to Rice. And so you have guys picking Rice over Power Five programs, and he kind of fits your tackle mold. And they've kind of brought in uh, Pepe was one they really like on the interior. Uh, Onianwa is a guy who's come on strong. He did a lot of work at, at guard as well. Braden Nutter kind of came in and played center this year because uh, of injuries. So they have those. And then they have a whole host of, of other guys that have kind of come up through the program that they recruited, that they like, that have that prototypical 6'4 to 6'6", 300-ish pound frame that they like to play tackle. So they feel really good on the offensive line spot. I think it's very possible depending on who the right fit here is that you could see one more guy from the portal here, but we'll just kind of see how that goes. Yeah. Like, and you hit on a bit there and I, and I don't want to like repeat ourselves too much, but like, you know, that was been one of my favorite parts about their recruiting strategy. The last couple of years was just sort of finding the market inefficiencies and finding guys who don't fit the normal sort of size requirement and maybe get overlooked by bigger programs because of it, but who are either just incredibly fast for their size or uh, are just really good players, uh, regardless of their size. I mean, like, like Sean Fresh is 5'8", 170. Like, Sean Fresh is my size, but, like, he's just a really good football player and he's really fast. And so they found guys like that. And they found guys in the Zane Knight mold that were small but spit but speedy. And they found guys like you know Rosner who were are tall but skinny. Um, and so they you know kind of finding the physical profiles that bigger programs might overlook and finding guys who can still play despite kind of falling outside that. But exactly like you said, uh, it's a very good sign that they're now getting to a place where they don't just have to do. Obviously, you still want to do that. They obviously have like an eye for that collectively as a staff uh, and you want to continue to find those guys but um yeah being able to to recruit guys who fit the prototype is also not a bad thing yeah absolutely and i think it, it would be interesting i kind of tracked this uh, a couple years back but rice is is and I, I don't know what normal is obviously but from what i've noticed from rice recruiting is they have a tendency to be the first guy on probably more prospects than i would think at the FBS level, um, which, you know, can be good or bad, but a lot of the times they shoot first and they hold on to the guy. So they've had a pretty good track record there. And then also offering guys with, you know, marginal offers at best or, or none and kind of finding them and unearthing them. You know, we talk about Gabe Taylor, who's right now is the highest ranked recruit that Rice has signed in program history his offer list at the time that Rice got him, because that was a very, very late in, in the signing window. Oh, man, it was it was peanuts. I think he had like I'm trying to look now. I think he had somewhere like four FBS offers. So Rice has done really good at, at not going strictly by uh, the list of, hey, Jackson State. I'm looking at Gabe Taylor's old uh, offer <laughs> sheet. Yeah. Rhode Island, Coastal Carolina, Bryant, Akron and Jackson State. Before Rice went in and got him, so Rice hey, is uh, Coach Prime knew what he was talking about. Uh, he had a big success today, so uh... yeah, no joke. We could go off on a, a rabbit trail on that, but we'll stick to because there's one other thing that we need to talk about, and we'll get well a couple other things. But first, I, I want to talk about kickers because <laughs> I, 
I think bar none, the biggest, you have to fix this or else in this recruiting class was kicker. Yeah. Yeah. It was a little bleak. They, they couldn't, they couldn't kick field goals in like the last three games. Like they just gave up and it's great if you're, you know, converting on like what 70% of your fourth down conversions, but I'd rather find a field goal kicker and aim for like 50%, like, and do them less. Like that would probably be the the best scenario. So they go ahead and get Tim Horn out of Washington. He, he did not kick uh, at all at, at Washington. I think he had uh, technically three extra points to his <laughs> name, but, but you go back to the, and, and specialist recruiting is kind of disjointed like it, it doesn't really go on the same scale right. as some of the traditional players but uh, if you go by 247 i believe them they had him as the number six rated kicker and the 2019 uh, signing class and then if you go by i know they have uh, what is it, is it i want to say chris sale but is that baseball yeah yep, is, that's it, is that sale yeah chris sale i think he was number two in the the nation okay. In, in kicker ratings at that point. And so he's kind of the guy in front of him at Washington uh, got on an all conference list a couple times. And it's kind of been that reliable kicker had made like 70, 75% of his career kicks. And if your kicker is making them, he keeps the job. <laughs> like that's just kind of how it goes. Right. So they, they really like this, uh, this signing, this pickup. And, and honestly, if nothing else, you got to take a shot. And if you're going to take a shot, you're probably not getting a guy who is making 85% of his kicks at his current program. So you might as well find a guy who has a track record uh, of doing it and comes from the same high school. Actually, I thought this was interesting. Jet Toner, the Stanford yeah, all-conference yeah. caliber kicker, and uh, Kaimi Fairbairn in, in Hawaii. So this is a – I don't know if you have a – you know, you mentioned American heritage and kind of the talent they've they've kind of popped out, especially in recent years at the D1 level. I don't know if you can have a high school kicking factory, but if you have a, uh, a <laughs> this couple, one, apparently, yeah, a couple all conference kickers and uh, an NFL kicker. It's a good tree to shake. That's what I'm going to say. So we got we got one kicker in place and then uh, a couple of defensive guys. We have, I guess we'll start, we'll start, uh, we'll start at the back and work our way up. Tyson Flowers at safety. Um, I think this is interesting because the safety depth chart, I mean, tell me if you feel differently, Carter, but is kind of, I have no idea what's going on. Like there's, there's a good amount of talent there. Yeah, it's just been so, in. it was so in flux with the injuries and they had, now, um, Lord, I, I keep forgetting who's in the portal now. Um, they had a couple guys outgoing, but Isaiah here's... Richardson and Prudy Calderon are, I think, right. the two in the portal that uh, were kind of, I guess, would have been depth pieces this year. Uh, you're probably going to have to be looking at replacing George Nyakwal and Naeem Smith, who at this point have both graduated and, uh, yeah. I believe we'll be moving on so you got some opportunities here for some young guys and this was kind of a spot that rice has recruited pretty pretty heavily in the past couple of years you had play wyatt dj arkansas moved to viper i don't know if there's a good chance he moves back to linebacker with where the the depth chart is at this point rice didn't sign any linebackers in this class uh, 
I will say at time of recording, I'm not promising anything, but I think that's a spot where they will look. Yeah, so I think you'll that's, see. that's one where you would want to just at least just add another body, even if you feel happy with the guys you expect to start there. Um, but given that they had a couple of outgoing guys and uh, didn't sign a high school player there, I like that would be one where I would look to add another player would be linebacker. Yeah, so... Uh, Flowers is interesting, and Rice has kind of tackled. They've kind of prioritized guys who have won in high school, <laughs> and guys who have the, those that that either innate football ability or those kind of measurables. So six foot one ninety is pretty good uh, for a safety. He played for for Jeremy Flowers at Southwest Christian in Fort Worth. If that name uh, rings any bells, is because his father uh, was uh, Flowers. I guess was kind of a big deal at Arkansas in the late nineties um, played four seasons there and, and 43 games, seven interceptions. So kind of has that, that college football uh, pedigree, if you will. Uh, Flowers kind of played both ways and was one of those guys. Well, let's put him at quarterback and defensive back and, and everywhere. And so he's kind of another piece and Rice has recruited a good amount of guys that can just kind of do a lot of things. And safety is a good kind of uh, catching point for those kind of players. So I think Flowers will fit in nicely there, probably put him on the back end to some degree. And we'll see where he's at. I think the depth chart is pretty fluid, but they do like the guys that they have. I would be surprised like Gabe Taylor's if he's not a household name, he's going to be. At that position, so he'll be there. Uh, you have um, a couple, a couple pieces. I think Play Wyatt is kind of carving out a role mm -hmm. there as well. I almost said Kirk Lockhart, but uh, that's not correct. The uh, other Cedar Hill guy at safety, who my name is—I've gone totally blank. Right, it's been um, too been more than a week since I looked at the depth chart. I apologize to uh da, 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 da. somebody why is the name escaping me it is kirk lockhart that's correct that is correct i know who i'm talking about maybe <laughs> it's one of those muscle memories it's in my brain but not, not maybe not in my yeah mind. see so yeah the kirk lockhart there I, I looking on the depth chart played some viper too kind of moved everybody around so it's wide open there uh flowers is an interesting guy i i mean if i'm looking at the rankings technically i think he's where is he at? Like the second or third highest, I think third highest rated guy in this class. So uh, a good find there at safety. And then I think the defensive line is another interesting point because, I mean, safety was is kind of all up in the air. But do we feel kind of what's our read on the, the D-line situation, <laughs> you know, going into this recruiting cycle? Do we feel more or less confident there? I mean, yeah, you lose... Elijah Garcia, is that, uh, am I misremembering like a portal guy here or something like that? No. Uh, uh, Miles Adams, I guess, if you're, if you're counting like rush guys. Um, but. Uh, Trey Schumann, I think would be out of eligibility. Um, uh, Akina Inachuku is currently the plan is for him to come back for one more year. Bloom yeah. didn't mention today, so that's that is a good get. But we we found out this year with no DeBraylin Carroll that things were actually a lot thinner than we might have hoped at that spot. So I think you kind of needed some guys 
And we saw Blake Banish, for example, is another one of those 300-pound guys that didn't really – I don't know if he got into a game this year, actually. He was kind of a guy that I thought might break through. So you got a, a couple other depth pieces there, but I don't think there's anything on the depth chart right now once DeBraylin Carroll is back. Uh, if you look at the rush side, you know, Josh Piercy, I, he's going to find a way to be on the field. But those are yeah. the two guys. Other than that, if you're telling me that we have a, a DeBraylin Carroll situation where midway through the season, hey, somebody has earned a spot, uh, it would not shock me here. So two two signees on the defensive line for for Rice. I mentioned kind of at the top, Davian Carter, six foot three oh one from from North Mesquite High School, the top guy on their board at the beginning of the year, went after him early, got him, and basically held him uh, for a full year. So really, really like him. Like I mentioned, he was the highest rated signing in this class, basically wire to Tuesday night. But, yeah. Uh, and let's see, listed at what six foot two six okay six one two ninety, little bit taller but uh similar sort of body type to uh to our guy to Braylon. So uh, you know if he comes on and and just starts wrecking everything his freshman season in in the same manner, uh, you know I wouldn't hate it. Yeah, he's really good. And then the other one is uh, Chibi Nawashiku. From from Cyprus, another another, well, I guess not another, but a, a local kid who's around here. Rice actually ended up uh, a couple, a good Texas flavor to this class, and and uh, this being the, the, the Houston representative. So Chibi six two two thirty five, uh, a bit more twitch. It will obviously go on the edge and and not in the middle of the line, but uh, two year starter and a all district kind of guy in six uh, A which is pretty good. And he was a guy that got a lot of honors on Dave Campbell's Texas, like preschool and uh, preschool <laughs> preseason <laughs> lists. I uh, imagine yeah. he was a really great preschool football uh, You player. know, he was, he was probably really, really good in preschool. So uh, a lot to, to like off him off the edge. I think, you know, Rice probably, you know, if, if you're looking at, at finding guys to replace Trey Schumann and Miles Adams, off the edge on the other side, uh, true defensive ends. If Akina moves there, you still need some other bodies. I think Rice has a good amount of guys that they feel good about probably on the maybe the interior piece, but yeah. defensive end is probably where they needed somebody. So he kind of fills fills a gap there. And then I think, you know, they got big a little, pick- like intriguing size on the defensive line. Like they've, they've got a fair number of dudes in like, Caleb James and Arroyo Morris and Jalen Hargrove and Banish and uh, and those are all interior guys. Yeah, so like a lot of dudes who are like pretty big that they could you know if one of those guys blows up like you, you could get a pretty solid rotation. But outside of Carroll, none of them are really proven at all. Yeah, at all. So that's kind of where we're 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 going to learn a lot in the spring <laughs> because those guys are going to be playing. And and on the spring front, we as of right now the the transfers I I think all of them at this point uh, yeah Crawford and Tim Horn and Connors those are all going to be mid year guys so they're all going to be here in January and we'll be here for spring practice which if we learned anything from Luke McCaffrey and just quarterback that, situations that in the past, means a lot in this system especially. 
It does. And I, and I think it means as much for the understanding piece as for the, the coach's level of comfort with you. <laughs> like they have to be able to trust oh, yeah. you that you know what you're doing. So I think that's going to be big. So all three of those guys and, and kind of big, big picture tying a bow on this group. There's not, there isn't really a hard, fast number with where they're going to top out. It, they have kind of added the addendum to the math this year. It used to be 25 guys, more or less. You could kind of play one way or the other based on counters and moving things around. But they've given you kind of an exemption of you can replace up to seven guys who leave your program from and go into the portal uh, with new signees. So I guess technically the new hard ceiling would be 32 guys that could come in and rice is is at what 11 so rice is not getting anywhere near 32 but yeah i do think you probably have room if there's a guy that they want i have a feeling they're going to find a way to make the map work yeah so you no, probably they are have... not they are not totally strapped for spots here so um i will i would definitely look for you know occasional yeah. what's your what's your wish list we can kind of kind of wrap things up here i know that kind of i think sam crawford's an interesting one because i wouldn't have said going into this that wide receiver was something they absolutely had to go get even right with, but it's the sort of thing where you know if you're getting a player like that then you you don't say, you say no yes. matter what your depth chart looks like yeah so we'll take anybody who is sam crawford good but is there anything looking at this list here of who they have we just kind of talk through basically the entire roster uh, yeah. if you find a, a, a portal guy or the right fit i there might be another high school guy or two, but at this point, I think it's probably going to be portal that they hit. Yeah. So if you had one or two positions that you'd be thinking Rice could use some reinforcements, what would kind of be the top of your wish list? It is Christmas after all. <laughs> I think linebacker probably, uh, maybe offensive line, maybe running back. And that's probably it. If there were another one, I might go safety. But, um, yeah, that's probably where I'd go with it. That's kind of where I, I would fall on a similar list. I, I'm i kind of still at, I'm, I'm chalking up most of the secondary play last year to crazy injury luck and lack of a pass rush. That's kind of where I'm, I'm yeah. settling as things go. So I, I feel I feel better about. The safety spot there, I, I think if I... Yeah, that one's definitely lower than the others for me. Right. I, I think I would like to see that the play that they've gotten... It, it, and I think I think the timing here is going to be interesting because right now I say if you find a linebacker in the portal, done. Pull the trigger. Like, I feel like that is a, yeah. a no-brainer you need. Because even if you like the, the guys that you have, having somebody who's played more than... Well, is Aiden Siano the most experienced linebacker they have now left uh, on the roster? And yeah, I think so. What, two collegiate starts? Maybe, maybe three? So, yeah, yeah, you got to find somebody newer. So I'd, I'd be totally cool pulling the trigger there. I, I think it would be interesting to see if anybody pops up on the defensive line because that's the other piece that, man, if, if you could find me a edge rusher to stand next to DeBraylon Carroll, that would be great. Those would be kind of the two that just knowing nothing right now uh, that I would just say, yeah, take take the guy. If you get him, offensive line would probably be the third. But I think 
I think yeah, and other... defensive line would would be one where it would be a little easier to pull. Like if you come out of the spring and you're just like, mm, things are not great here. Like uh, I don't know, maybe guys just don't take the steps you want, or uh, the I don't know, you get some you knock on wood, but maybe you get a guy hurt in the spring. Like defensive line is a place where it's a little easier to kind of have a guy be plug and play. You know, so if you find a guy you like after the spring at that spot, it's not as big a deal. Like even with like linebacker, for instance, if you pull a guy in the middle of the summer, like that's a lot more of catch up work that he needs to be doing as compared to defensive line. True. We saw Desmond Baker take a good amount of games to get onto the field this year. So we'll see. But I I think you're right there. And that's kind of what I was going to get to. I think you're at the point where. There, so there was a lot of, you know, even though there's not a hard, hard deadline for these transfer kids, like the portal, there's still kind of a push for a lot of folks to kind of get stuff figured out today ish, because even if the transfer portal kids don't have a hard stop of where to go, that rosters are filling up. Like not everyone has been as conservative as rice is saying, Hey, we're going to have two to three spots open period. And we'll stop to make sure we do. You know, what do we just talk about? Marshall having like, what, 40 kids signed at this point? I yes. think it was like 27 or something. But yeah. So and I do think I think you might see if there's a right fit or two in the next couple of days, I think you might see it. But I think more than likely the last member or members of this recruiting class are not on campus until probably after the spring. I, I think you could see one or two guys add on there just to kind of see where they're at because I think you're right. I think, you know, offensive line is one that I don't know if the coaching staff knows how big the need is right now. Right. Because they have so many young guys that have taken all of the practice reps, but haven't ever been the guy. Like we don't know if Ethan, Ethan Onianwa could be the starting right guard next season. Like the staff kind of believes that's where he can be like Pepe, same thing, but we don't know. They're going to have to really get out of out of spring before they kind of make that decision, because if those guys you come out of spring and those guys are solid, you don't need to go like the depth is there. You just you don't know if the the ability on the football field right now is up up to snuff. So that's kind of what you got to find out. Yeah, no, I, I think there's a couple there's a couple of positions like that where you're you're still going to be evaluating the need to add guys all through the spring essentially um so it'll be interesting um there it's adding it adds kind of a fascinating new layer to uh the spring at this point for kind of every college football team where you're not only you know trying to you know find out who who you've got at certain spots but uh, you know looking at you know now even coming out of spring do you need to add somebody like where can we where can we how many spots do we have can we add a body here a body there can we find a guy who is an impact player yeah and it's, well, and it's even a sort of a feedback loop because you'll have guys that you know the depth chart will shake out one way at one school and that will kind of shake a guy into the portal who could potentially be a high impact guy like you know, uh, say Jameson Williams in Alabama, like that's an extreme example, but like, you know, you have some guys who will be at a really loaded position somewhere and decide to move on and make a huge impact somewhere else. So yeah, Bryce, Bryce will be ready. 
they've uh, they've kind of shown in, in the past couple years. And I think as we kind of wrap up, we shout out to Alex Brown that the work that he's done on the recruiting front is is stellar, <laughs> honestly, because what he's been able to do, like it's hard to recruit at Rice, and you can just kind of look through Rice's recruiting history just to kind of see that this has not been a place where top tier talent comes and what they've done stacking this many good classes in a row. And I, and I thought this was kind of telling because, and I kind of wrote this in kind of my like just kind of recap piece for this class is Mike Bluebird went to the mic today during his, his media availability. And I was going to ask him, you know, like this is your third top five class in, in conference USA, your, your third top 100 class in the nation. Like, Kind of, how do you feel about these things? And he went down the list of, you know, where this ranking, this is where the the school we were in 2016 and 2017. This is what we've done this year and the year before. And he knows the numbers because this is a big deal. What Rice has been able to do on the recruiting front, and it's going to be interesting because at this point, I don't know how many years you you might say it takes to build a roster. Um, you know, it's probably slower at Rice. Uh, I talked to. AD Joe Carlgard about that. That was a feature we put on Patreon last week, which I, I, I've been told a lot of people got a lot of uh, interest from. So, but that the roster's there and the talent's there. And Bloomgren said he was really happy with kind of how they've been able to develop it. So, talent's on the field. They like their guys. You'll find the last two pieces. But I think, you know, altogether, this is shaping up to be, you know, if you would have drawn out when Bloomgren was hired, in I guess December of 2017, if like the best case scenario for Rice recruiting, this very well might have been it. Yeah, you um, get a blue chip quarterback, you sign three top five classes in Conference USA, and you sign four of the top 18 recruits in program history in your past two classes. That'll do it. Um... Yeah, no, the, the recruiting has really been, um, and you know, that's the lifeblood of, of any college football program, really. And it's it's great to see the way they've upgraded on that front. Um, obviously, it's ultimately about what happens on the field, and that hasn't quite followed yet. Um, but recruiting is the first step to getting there. So. Yeah, it's interesting because I, in, with, with all the Chip Kelly noise that happened on the West Coast in recent week, weeks, if you could pick one. You could pick an elite schemer or you could pick an elite recruiter. You know, which way do you lean? I, I think you got to lean at least a little bit towards the recruiting side, because if you have an elite scheme but no talent, uh, you're going to get figured out and you're not going to be able to win. <laughs> if you have elite talent, even if you don't know what you're doing, you're going to talent your way into wins. Like That's kind of how it works. Uh, it, and it, especially if you go down uh, at this level in college football. So you, you they have that piece. They got to go win it on the field. Uh, but, you know, I'm, I'm kind of content with where they're at. And we'll, we'll keep an eye out for any additional Luke McCaffrey's or uh, blue chip guys that kind of just fall into their laps. That'd be nice. We'll take yeah, it. Yeah, no, won't complain. Well, all right. I think that's going to do it for us this week. Um, and uh, for the 2021 year. Uh, we kind of did the wrap-up stuff last time, so I won't belabor the point, but uh, it's been fun hanging out with you all. Thanks for sticking around for an uh, almost hour-long recruiting podcast. Of course, you know, we love to talk recruiting because it's college football. But, uh, yeah, we'll be back 
in a little bit uh, leading into the the 2022 season because, you know, the season might be almost over, but college football never really stops. So uh, we'll be back soon, and uh, we hope you all are back with us. And Bryce fine. This show was edited and produced by Carter Spires. It features music from Joseph McDade.